This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm once again your host, Tyler Metcalf. Last week, I was joined by Albert Gibb, and we talked about some of, quote-unquote, our guys, who we think deserve more love. Not necessarily high-end picks, but later-round options that could provide significant value or see their stock rise as the season progresses. This week, I want to continue that theme of our guys, but use the recently released No Ceilings composite big board as a guide. Instead of talking about mid-to-late-round options who deserve more attention, I wanted to dive in on guys we think should be first-round locks. Guys we see as first-round talents and have ranked higher than most other people. Again, this isn't a flag-staking episode. It is a welcome-to-the-hype-train-hop-aboard episode. Generally, I hate the term, my guy, because it's pretentious and exclusive in its nature. However, it more succinctly drives home the message instead of the prolonged phrase of, this is a player who I am higher on than most others. While you listen to us talk about our guys, by no means should you feel late to the party or excluded in any fashion. Instead, join the hype train and start diving in on the tape so they can truly become our guys. If you think we're crazy, then tell us. Disagreeing on draft evaluations and just everyday things in life, for that matter, is healthy. This podcast shouldn't and hopefully won't be an echo chamber where you hear the same people simply agreeing with each other on everything. First of all, that's horribly boring entertainment. But more importantly, no one learns anything from that. If this podcast begins to devolve down that unwelcome path, please call me on it. Let's get to it. It is my pleasure to welcome on another member of the No Ceilings family. He is the pioneer of the Taryn Armstrong fan club. He is Alex, or as you may know him, Draft Film School. Alex, how's it going? Going well, going well. Thanks for the uh, the introduction there, uh, Tyler. And I definitely am beating the drum on the uh, the Taryn Armstrong bandwagon, that's for sure. Not the first one, but uh, I think I was an early adopter, for sure. You, you absolutely were, especially uh, among our No Ceilings crew. And that, that Taryn Armstrong piece has gotten the most traffic on our entire <laughs> site, which is, you know, both, both, both a testament to his talent and your eye for talent and your writing ability. So when you reached out to me, I was uh, really excited that you wanted to come on. Um, we've kind of interacted on Twitter going back and forth over the last couple seasons. Um, but this is the first time we actually get to sit down and talk. And I'm really looking forward to it because I've always respected your eye for talent. Um, as I alluded to in the opening this week, after we constructed the No Ceilings composite big board, I wanted to cover some guys that both of us are higher on than others in the first round. Uh, we're not going to be reinventing the wheel or breaking ground with any of these names, really. But they are some incredibly talented prospects that we are really high on. Uh, we're both bringing a couple names to the conversation. So since I'm such a gracious host, Alex, why don't you start us off? Who's your first guy? 
Yeah, so so my first guy is, is Kendall Brown. Um, you know, I think he's been, you know, the talk of, you know, draft Twitter and really just college basketball in general. Um, got off to such a hot start and, and didn't really come out of nowhere. You know, preseason, there were some people who had him first round, some people that had him in the teens. But, you know, I, I feel like in high school, a lot of people, he played uh, basketball with Kennedy Chandler. Uh, and, you know, at least when I was watching uh, the tape, he, you know, Kennedy Chandler was my main draw to watching those games yeah. um but but then he really popped i mean kendall brown hit he's a 99th percentile athlete one of the best sleepers in college basketball can jump into the nba right away uh and hang with the best athletes there so that that really drew me to his game and you know what he's done so far uh whether it's the cutting uh you know lob catching transition play uh, he's just been incredibly efficient in pretty much every aspect of his game um, early on so far this season. And it's really been one of the big bright spots for, for Baylor in their hot start to the season. I'm glad that you brought up his high school film with Kennedy Chandler, because I, I went into those games with pretty much the same approach of, all right, let's check out this lightning bolt of a point guard who can shoot from outside and then you see Chandler running in transition and then wait who's the six nine dude who's running step for step with him and finishing these lobs it's like oh my god he's interesting oh and he's going to Baylor okay this is awesome um and then to see that translate immediately for him to division one basketball where I mean he's currently in the 99th percentile in overall points per possession 93rd percentile in transition scoring 94th in spotting up and 97th in cutting I I absolutely love how he's just really playing to his strengths the thing that stands out the most to me about his offensive game is that cutting because Baylor does kind of tend to put him in the corner a lot in their half-court offense but he's so comfortable with moving off ball and reacting to, you know, how, how the defense is shifting to cover the pick and roll and catching his guy ball watching is he, is he the best cutter in the country right now? And I mean, how, how easily do you think that skill will translate for him? Because at his size and athleticism, it could be pretty deadly. Yeah. And I think that point you just made it is key. I think, the cutting plus the athleticism. I mean, he doesn't have to dribble the ball to score right. uh, on offense. And that's, you know, key to being like a, an elite role player. Uh, he just, you know, goes back door, bounce pass or, or lob and he finishes. Um, it's just so easy. It's easy. Two points. Um, you said, he, you know, ranks in the top 94th, I think percentile on cutting uh, on synergy. So, I mean, I would say, yeah, probably, I think that's probably actually like the, one of the, the, the minute details or skills that a prospect has in this class that, uh, you know, pays a lot of dividends uh, for his team. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to actually see him do a little more kind of like pick and pop, uh, pick and roll type of stuff as mm-hmm. the role man. Uh, because yeah, I was looking on Synergy today and they have zero possessions of him being the pick and roll role man, which, you know, coming into the year, I thought he was going to thrive in that. I thought he was going to, yeah be a great lob catcher, dive man, uh, play more of kind of that traditional four. Um, but he's really been playing a lot on the wing. So him kind of doing this stuff, cutting back door, um, I think has definitely helped him. I think it's going to you know translate to the next level. Um, but it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how that translates overall, whether it'll be more on the wing, uh, if he's going to be playing more in the pick and roll as a role man. Um, just really excited to see you know where he takes his game. 
One of the things that you mentioned that I, I thought was really interesting and really important was that he doesn't need to put the ball on the floor to score. And while I think that's, you know, a really important skill for him going forward and, you know, playing that role and playing with other prime or with a primary initiator and kind of finding ways to score that aren't on the ball, um, I, that, that'll do wonders for him long-term. But do you think his current... Is it currently an inability to score on the ball or him just, you know, choosing to kind of play to his strengths and he's this freshman coming in with some upperclassmen point guards who, you know, just won the national championship? Yeah, I think, I mean, the handle is, it's not, not pretty. I mean, when he does dribble, he dribbles one, two, like picks up or or try, like it's not tight at all. Um, and, And I think that's, a lot has to do with, but that's not how he's been playing basketball. Um, you know, he, Kennedy Chandler, it, again, going back to that as his teammate in high school, you know, he had the ball in his hands uh, for most of the time. Now at Baylor, they have, you know, uh, upperclassmen guards, pretty much a lot of upperclassmen around him uh, who, you know, are more comfortable on the ball. So he doesn't really have to do that. Um, it's definitely one area. I think he's, he's doesn't really need to improve on, but he probably should. Um but I think, you know, at the next level, if he's playing more of a four, um, he probably is not going to be out on the wing creating his own shot, I don't think. Um, if he ever gets there, I think that's just an added bonus. Um, but right now, yeah, it's definitely a kind of a weakness of his game. Um, but he has shown the ability to kind of attack closeouts. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about the shooting. Um, yeah. You know, the numbers are good, but it's low volume. Um, but you know, defenders really, you know, close out on him. He's able to take one dribble, um, you know, make a right pass or go in for a dunk. Uh, so in those situations, he seems to be fine. Um, it's more so if he's out on the wing, um, you know, on an island in an isolation situation, which doesn't happen often. Um, those are kind of where he gets tripped up with the handle and he can't really get past anyone. I, I agree with almost all of that, actually. Um, and I, I it, it would be nice, but... I don't think it's necessary for his offensive game. What I, you know, that, that ability to attack closeouts and get to the rim that way, I think is more important than him having to, or having the ability to like run a pick and roll or break a die, uh, break a guy down in isolation, because that probably won't be his role. If it so, one day gets there, then I think a lot of things have gone really right for him yeah. in his development. But you mentioned the shooting. It's, I mean, it's like 57% right now, which is absurd, but it's not even on one attempt a game. So it's, who knows? He he misses three in a row and that's, that percentage will plummet. Yeah. Do you buy it? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant. I, I'm not sure I do. And a big reason for that is it doesn't seem like other teams do. I mean, they, I keep seeing opposing defenses help off of him on strong side really aggressively all the time. And then his teammates are rarely even kicking out to him. And then you combine that with 0.9 three-point attempts per game. I know it's not part of his game, but him being a little more willing to shoot would be nice. His teammates being a little more eager to find him on those kickouts would be nice. So uh, where do you stand with the shooting? Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can buy or sell it. At this point, I mean, you said like it's under one three a game he's taking Um, the ones he is making. They're like the widest of open threes. Um, Like he has like two seconds to decide if he wants to shoot it or take it to the basket. Um, 
at least early on, uh, the couple that I saw against um, some of the lower competition, he's just standing in the corner for like literally mm-hmm. two seconds and uh, he can make those. But, um, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't think he really needs to shoot it like obviously 57% not going to hold up. Uh, but if he's 35% from three, um, I, I think that's fine. Um, even if he's low 30, all he has to do is really be enough of a threat out there where he could dive into that ability of attacking closeouts so that so people do have to close out on him. Um, I think that's kind of the main thing. Uh, I don't think he needs to be a sharpshooting wing uh, because at the end of the day, I think he's going to be more of a kind of versatile forward um, at the next level, um, kind of playing that you know John Collins type of role. Um, you know, they're similar sized guys, can jump out the building. Um, you know, John Collins you know, isn't really asked to create offense because he plays with Trey Young. But he can, like on the short roll, uh, he could take one, two, you know, into a little short jumper uh, from the elbow. He could do things like that. Um, that's kind of where I see his game going in the in the NBA um, and not so much kind of being a lethal threat, even though John Collins has kind of added that to his game. That is a fascinating name and one that I hadn't really thought of. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because Collins has kind of grown his game to at least a point where if he shot fakes defenders have to at least take that step and think about him or at least think about contesting that shot and it just really doesn't seem like brown is at that point yet but if he keeps knocking down these wide open threes that he has like you said all the time in the world to take it will be really interesting because once he is able to get them to just take that lunge step at at him to close out he's going to blow blow past pretty much any defender he wants to. And then from there, he obviously has the athleticism to finish over guys at the rim. And he's not shy about showing us that he can put his eyes on the, on the rim pretty much every time he jumps. But then I also think he, like you mentioned, his creating out of the short role. I think he has the passing ability to either dump it off to a big man cutting in from the dunker spot or kicking out for an open three. So that, that, kind of connect those connecting skills at the forward position combined with his athleticism are really fascinating for him. And if that shot does just get to an acceptable level or stays at an acceptable level, um, like you said, it's probably still way too early to go one way or the other on it. I think his offensive impact could be massive. What I'm a little more hesitant on, or at least what he looks a little more raw on is the defensive end of the floor where it seems like his athleticism really bails him out of a lot of situations. And it's just kind of been something that he's always relied on throughout his career, which makes sense because he's a six, nine freak athlete. And, you know, growing up there's, he's probably faced two, two guys who have matched him in that realm, but he, he's not a very physical rebounder and his processing speed seems like he's just a step late on everything where it's more reactionary than being proactive and getting in the right spots instead of trying to recover. Where are you at with the defense? Are you seeing similar things or are you a little more optimistic on it? Yeah, I think the off ball stuff is kind of messy right now. Uh, He does get caught sleeping from time to time. Um, You know, there's full possessions where he's not even guarding anyone. Like he's just floating (laughs) around trying to get a steal and and dunk in transition Mm -hmm. Um, which, I mean, he's a freshman, you know, yeah. again, you, you mentioned like he's a freak athlete. He's never really probably had to buy into team defensive scheme to make an impact. Um, so that, that is a little worrisome for me. 
Um, but at the end of the day, he he's playing for Baylor, who just won a national championship. They're trying to right. win another one this year. Um, so I don't think the coaching staff there is going to really give him a you know a long leash if he keeps getting beat back door, if he keeps falling asleep, uh, you know, off ball. Um, and, and I think that environment will kind of help him and help him learn and, and catch up to things that he'll get to a you know respectable level there. Um, so yeah, right now the off ball stuff isn't great. Um, definitely an area for improvement, um, but nothing that I'm overly concerned with um, moving forward. I, I think he will improve enough. And then, you know, we could talk a little bit about his on-ball defense, which I, th- I think has been pretty yeah. good. Um, you know, coming into this year, I didn't think he would be really guarding guards on the perimeter, um, but he has been, and he's been holding up pretty well with that athleticism. Um so that's, you know, a, a shining, uh, you know, yeah. spot for him on defense that I would say is a positive. Um, but yeah, the team defense stuff is, is definitely improvement area. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, the, the, the athleticism is just, it's undeniable and it's just, he knows exactly how to use it in to a, his greatest advantage in pretty much every aspect of the game, which is just really encouraging for someone of his build and age. So I, I currently have Brown at, uh, I think, 10 on my board. I, he was a lottery on our composite. I believe you had him top 10 as well. Do you see him kind of staying around that range? Do you think he could climb even higher, drop off? Where do you see his season projecting? Yeah, I think I had him seven. Um, so, yeah, top 10 for me. Um, I think he really flew up draft boards early on because a lot of the other kind of high caliber freshman coming in had slow starts. Um, Caleb Houston being one who, who mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. Um, you know, AJ Griffin um, not getting a lot of playing time at Duke, you know, coming back from an injury. Um, some other guys who haven't shot the ball very well, like Max Christie, things like that. I, I think that has kind of helped him, you know, jump those guys um, and jump into the top 10. So I can see him, you know, falling down a little bit if, if other players kind of bounce back and, and, come up um, and play to their, you know, potential that we thought of coming into the year. Um, but I think he's pretty much at this point, a lottery lock. Um, yeah. If he continues, not even, I mean, he's shooting like 73% from the field. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's going to take a little bit of a dip, but if he just continues, you know, being efficient, um, knocking down enough threes, um, improving on the defensive end. Um, I think his floor is, you know, late lottery. Um, and I just think, you know, I don't know if he has star upside, but, uh, you know, just being a really, really solid role player, um, you know, I think he's good enough for a top 10 pick, you know, outside of, you know, the top three, you know, it's tough to find that star player. Um, so might as well take the super elite athlete who's already super efficient uh, and just hope that he can kind of put, put it all together on the offensive and defensive end. Yeah, love it. Um, and so let's pivot over to my first guy. You mentioned him, Caleb Houston, who I was actually really pleasantly surprised that our composite bo- big board had him still as a lottery talent, despite getting off to maybe the slowest start of kind of like the five-star big name freshman this season. Um, and Houston's currently averaging 10.4 points, 1.7 assists, 4.8 rebounds, but he was lauded as this lights out shooter and he came out not shooting well at all. Um, His three point numbers have 
in his last couple games have been much more impressive. And on the season, he's back up to a little over 38% from three on just over five attempts per game. So I'm still all in on Houston. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit that I'm a, a huge Michigan fan. So there, there is a little bit of bias and, you know, hopefulness there from my end. Um, but I, all the little skills that he's shown to be that connecting wing and the little things he does, I think just really shine through every game. And I, he has such a strong track record of pretty outstanding shooting that I struggle to believe that that early season struggles was, I feel like that was more of an outlier than reality. Um, Am am I just wearing maize and blue colored glasses when, when I, when I look at that or are you kind of on the same page? No, I'm I'm on the same page. I think I had him eighth on my big board. And I okay. think coming into the season, I had him sixth or something. So I yeah. didn't drop him that far. Um, you know, five games of poor shooting, you know, isn't going to erase his whole, you know, entire, um, you know, high school career and what we saw in U19, um, you know, playing for Canada. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't too, you know, overly concerned. You know, I did think he would be a little bit better than what he you know started mm-hmm. out as, but I'm still very much in on him. Um, I think uh, kind of his numbers don't really show his entire game and his, his entire um, impact on the game. Um, you know, especially the 1.7 or assists or whatever he's averaging. Um, you know, you wrote a piece on his passing. I think that's one of his, you know, underrated skill sets um, that I think doesn't really get talked about just because he's a six eight shooter. Uh, right. I think people focus on that area of his game, which is great. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think you're being, you know, overly biased with, with Caleb Houston. I, I'm still very much in, um, and I, I would have no problem taking him top 10 if the draft was tomorrow. The thing with six, eight wings too, is that we, we always expect them to do more than just shoot. You know, the, the shooting is awesome. It's great, but that three and D label gets thrown around to pretty much anyone his size with his alleged shooting ability. And I, I feel like the defense has been a real mixed bag at this point. Um, it, I, I've seen some people absolutely love it. Others hate it. I kind of fall in between there and I'm just riding the fence. Um, but like that, there are really good flashes where he shows stretches of tagging the roller, closing out under control, moving his feet, cutting off the drive and then forcing the pass out. And then the next, the next possession he'll, help off strong side corner and get beat back door and just completely lose his man. Mm-hmm. The, the defense is something where I, I really thought it was going to be better and, or at least more consistent coming into the season, because what he showed at Montvert, I thought was really impressive, but you know, may, maybe some of that is just the massive disparity in talent that they had kind of playing all of their opponents. Are you higher, lower, cautiously optimistic where are you at with this defense yeah I'm, I'm cautious cautiously optimistic i would say um he, he does have those games where he you know is doing all that stuff that you mentioned playing great team defense um you know um, really defending on ball as well um you know i think uh the first game of the season against buffalo um I, if i remember correctly he was really good on that end mm-hmm. um yeah. but then games like uh, Seton Hall, you know, he was not good. I mean, the whole Michigan team was not good that game. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I mean, he seems to know where he needs to be um, enough of the time that uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt 
that'll figure it out and be more consistent on that end. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, he, he, I thought he was going to be better um, and have more of an impact on that end in Michigan system um, than he has so far. But I, I, again, it's so early on in the season that I'm not overly concerned, still a freshman adapting to, you know, college basketball and step up in competition. Um, you know, he has a good track record in high school. Uh, so at the end of the day, I'm not overly worried about it, but yeah, it's, it's been a little bit uh, disappointing to say the least. And as the season progresses, I think I, I would expect it at least to kind of steadily improve as he continues to adjust to the speed and physicality and kind of increase in athleticism that he faces on a nightly basis. What, what I'm more concerned about is what he's going to be able to do offensively off the bounce, because I, I think the shooting off the catch these last three or four games has been really impressive or at least more consistent. And I think that's kind of going to be the trend going forward. But I really worry about whether or not he can actually create anything off the bounce that isn't purely attacking closeouts because he's proven that he can run off a down screen and make a pocket pass to the rolling big man. He's shown that he can, you know, shot fake attack a closeout and kick out to an open shooter or throw a lob. But I I'm just really concerned that he's not going to be athletic enough and have that, that ball handling to create a shot at the next level. Yeah, that's, that's a concern I have as well. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned catch and shoot. I think I don't have any, concerns with that I think he'll be a knockdown shooter uh in those scenarios in in the NBA game um where I struggle with him is how is he going to score that inside the arc basically um whether that's mid-range um you know at the rim uh he, he again isn't the best athlete not the quickest um you know not the tightest handle so how is he going to really create advantages at the next level, I think, is a, the biggest question mark with his overall game. Um, you know, the numbers right now are not very great. I think he's shooting 43% from two-point range. Um, you know, at the rim, I think he's, you know, pretty near the bottom, you know, percentile ranking on synergy. Um, you know, he it, it's not been great so far um, outside of catch-and-shoot threes. Um, I don't think he's even taken that many – uh, off the dribble jumpers, maybe five um, this year so far. So he hasn't really been willing to kind of create the offense himself. I don't know if it's, you know, him being willing to or being able to. Uh, that's kind of, I think, you know, one of the questions that will bear out for this season, um, whether is if he can create his own offense and not just be a play finisher. I'm glad that you brought up the at-rim stuff because I, I was thinking more in the realm of can he create any space for a jumper? And so far, it kind of seems like no. But that lack of athleticism really does show itself at the rim because he can't elevate and get up or finish through really anyone at this point. And he kind of knows that and really isn't attacking all the way to the rim. And once he gets inside that 10 to 15-foot range, he's always looking to just pass which, you know, given his passing ability is a strength right now, but as teams start to key in on that, this guy isn't looking to score at all. Those passing lanes are going to shrink. And I, he's only averaging 1.9 free throw attempts per game right now, which for someone of his shooting ability and size should be much higher. And I, that how he scores not off the catch is really going to be a hindrance moving forward because – 
off the catch, his off-ball movement, I think, is some of the best in the country. The way he runs in transition, the way he runs off screens and relocates and just really knows how to kind of counter the balance of the floor. Yeah, I know. I'm glad you brought that up because I think his kind of relocation and, and moving off ball, getting to uh, you know a spot in the open field where he can get a jumper off, I think that's another kind of um, you know minor skill that it doesn't mm-hmm. really show up in the stat sheet, but uh, is something that's you know one of the best in the class. We talked about the cutting with with Kendall Brown. I think his kind of relocation skills and just getting set, being ready to take the jumper, um, you know, his, his shot form is almost perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no worries in, on that end, but yeah, I, I, you would like to see, you know, the six, eight wing type guy shoot more than one and a half free throws a game or, or two free throws a game. Um, you know, especially if he, if he can get to the rim and you're not finishing over people, at least, you know, draw the foul, um, you know, don't mm-hmm. shy away from contact. Don't kind of pass out, um, of situations where you're right at the rim um things like that I, I think hopefully he can improve on as he gets more comfortable uh in the college game uh, but you know at the end of the day that I mean that's going to be kind of the key um from him kind of moving from that kind of three and d role player uh to kind of being kind of a plus um you know not not on ball creator but just more of kind of that off ball uh shooter I absolutely adore his kind of connecting skills, that passing off ball movement, those little things like we've mentioned. We're starting to see the shot come around. Hopefully these last four games are more of a sign of things to come than an outlier. Um, I think if that shot continues to kind of stay where it's at and he's around that high 30s to 40% mark, I absolutely think he's in the lottery. If that shot starts to revert back, I think, all of his threat to be a scorer diminishes pretty significantly because as we mentioned, the the lack of athleticism and being able to get his own shot at different spots on the floor. Grand scheme of things. I think he still goes lottery. Um, Where are you at with kind of how his season will project? Yeah, I, I think, I think he'll definitely be, you know, top 15 lottery range. Um, you know, there are a few people under him that, you know, could, you know, shoot up rocket, you know, like Max Christie, for example, I brought him up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, if he kind of, you know, shoots, he's, he's even off to a worse start shooting wise than, than Caleb Houston was. Um, but he's flashed some things that I've really liked. So a guy like him, um, you know, uh, Benedict Matherin at, at Arizona, I think can, you know, jump him if he hasn't already. Um, you know, we'll talk about one of your guys um, that I don't think, a lot of people are as high on right now than you uh, later on in the podcast that, that might jump them. But um, yeah, I think, I think late lottery is probably the range where he might end up um, again, but if he, you know, show, shows more than that, he could easily be a, a top 10 pick and kind of live up to those preseason expectations. All right. Well, I, I think it's about time for us to kind of start disagreeing on some stuff. Um, I, your next guy, we were, I, I was by far the lowest on him of the group. So who, who's the next name you want to bring up? Yeah, so this is uh, Jan Montero, um, guard who's playing overtime elite uh, this year. I had, I think we ended up having him 11th on our uh, composite board. Um, I had him ninth, so I was a little bit higher on him than consensus. I don't know if I was the highest or not um, in our group, but he so the case for him at least to be you know a lottery pick is he is probably the 
second best scoring guard in this class, um, you know, outside of either Jaden Hardy or, or uh, Jaden Ivey, maybe the third best. Um, but I personally have him above Jaden Hardy at this point. Um, I think he has better playmaking skills um, and just, you know, he's not overly efficient, but he's more efficient than Jaden Hardy at this point. Um, but at the end of the day, he's an underrated passer. He's a three-level scorer. Uh, yeah, he's a little undersized, 6'2", pretty skinny, uh, not the best athlete, but he's got a really good handle. He's got good hesitation moves. Uh, he can get to the rim at will, and he finishes pretty well for being a smaller guard, uh, really crafty around the baskets, um, really has a good floater game. Uh, you know, pull-up jumper uh, is good from mid-range. He's got deep range on it. If people go under the screen, it'll just shoot over. Um, sometimes he could be a little too ambitious and kind of take the 35 foot pull-ups, uh, that Trey Young is known for, but, uh, you know, that don't go in quite as often. Um, but you know, that, that's kind of the one hiccup with him is he's tends to be a little too flashy at times where, you know, in the pick and roll, even when, you know, there's an open, you know, quick read, uh, you know, he'll kind of wait an extra second, throw no look pass instead of just doing the, the quick pocket pass. Um, so things like that, he definitely needs ironing out, but, uh, you know, I wrote a piece on him, uh, mm-hmm. shameless plug on, on our, on our Substack. uh, go subscribe, uh, no ceilings, mba.substack.com. Um, actually no ceilings, NBA. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know what it is. You'll, you could find it. Um, but he's just a scoring combo guard. Who's an underrated playmaker. Um, you know, I think. I'll let you talk because you know I just rambled on for a couple minutes on him, but um, he's a guy that I like, and I think he's he's underrated to to the masses right now. No, I I appreciate your rambling because he's a guy I need to be convinced on, and I I, I had him at twenty fourth, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think everyone else in the group had a lottery grade on him, so I, I'm by far the outlier with with his grade and. I think the biggest thing for me is I have no idea what to do with this overtime film. Yeah. Um, it is the basketball is just not good. And some of these defenses are awful. Um, it just kind of seems like I, I promise I'm not trying to do an old man, get off my lawn type thing here, but it just seems like the actualization of like highlight culture where it's guys just throwing 40 foot hit ahead passes and trying to do the flashiest thing they possibly can instead of, you know, moving their feet on defense and staying vertical and stuff like that. So I, I absolutely see the, the skills, the individual ball skills that Montero has. I was really impressed with his ball handling. I, I like kind of the change of pace stuff, how he got to his shots. I thought it was really interesting. I was kind of underwhelmed by the shot, but, at least the handful of games I've seen, it was really inconsistent from outside, but the the form looked fine. And I think a lot of it more came down to shot selection. Like you said, like he, he's not shy of chucking up from the, you know, from near half court, which, you know, I, I, I don't love, but once you're in the NBA, can a coach rein that in probably. And so I, I'm willing to be convinced on the shot. Um, the playmaking was what I found most fascinating because I I think when he actually locks in and, you know, is reading the defense, he's really, really comfortable with those pocket passes or 
they one of the games I saw, he ran just a, a, a high pick and roll, drove the guy left out of the quarter corner, and he like passed back against his momentum right into the guy's shooting pocket. Uh, and he he bricked the three, of course, but it was a beautiful read, beautiful pass. And, you know, you could tell that he was reading the weak side defense. And is, is that guy collapsing on the roller? Yes. OK, then the shooter's open. But then that same game, there's he was running a pick and roll. His guy cuts from the corner and he tries to throw this no look pass where he's looking off into the stands and he throws it right to the defender. It's like, are you bored or is that just? You're, or did you think that was a good decision? Because, you know, I, I can live with being bored because it's still technically high school competition, mostly, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's thinking that's a good decision, I think that's a little more worrisome. Yeah. And I think at the, like, it's tough with the, the overtime league, um, with the context. I don't know how to take it. I mean, I don't yeah. know how it'll translate. Um, but he's the playmaking, you know, is definitely popped so far. Uh, mm-hmm. in the six or you know so games that I've seen um, at overtime elite um, it's definitely a more free free flowing and kind of yeah. um, unorganized brand of basketball um, per se uh, but it's one that he's been thriving in um, so if that translates fully to the NBA probably not um, but he's shown that he's a pretty good improviser which I think uh, can come in handy mm. at the next level and pretty much at any stage of basketball because obviously plays don't go uh, you know perfectly to plan every time things get blown up and you need to make quick decisions uh, I think he's shown the ability to kind of do that um, yeah there'll be that no look pass that'll throw away here and there uh, but at least he's trying to make a play sure. um, but even uh, on the tape that I watched um, from his last year, uh, Grant Grain Carnaria, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, on their B team, he had flashes of good playmaking. It wasn't, you know, as consistent or, um, you know, as good as what I've seen at the, the overtime level. Um, but I assume that's, you know, competition level, uh, play style level. Um, but the scoring, I, I think, is definitely translated to both. Um, I think that's something that will translate to the next level. Um, again, I think the efficiency will probably drop a little bit, just given, you know, bigger, stronger athletic guys in the NBA, he's small, smaller, um, but he is really, really crafty. Um, I don't think he'll have an issue kind of getting a shot off or or getting to the rim. Um, but I do, uh, kind of project them to be, you know, less of kind of an elite finisher, uh, at the guard level. Um, you know, just given the fact that, he is smaller. Uh, it is mm-hmm. always tougher to finish. Um, and he doesn't really get to the line all too often. Uh, he is right. kind of a little contact adverse uh, when he is going to the rim. He'll do a kind of scoop layup, reverse layup, instead of kind of going into somebody, drawing the foul and, and going to the free throw line. Um, so that's one other area that I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. And that, that was my really only other concern with his offense was I keep seeing him listed at six three, but that feels really generous. Um, maybe it's just because he's pretty slender um, and he just kind of looks smaller out there, but he rarely takes it to the rim. It feels like, or at least all the way when there's a guy there. And like you said, he's really averse to contact. And I'm not sure if that's, you know, just him being smaller and, you know, not wanting to get hurt or whatever. Um, but when he's that small, I would like to see him, you know, really utilize his body more to get into the shot blocker's chest and negate some of that shot blocking ability and then finish with the offhand instead of throwing up a bunch of off-balance off floaters. Uh, you know, now s- sometimes those off-balance floaters 
make really nice highlights um, mm-hmm. because I, I do think he has good touch and that can be a tool for him long term. But that that inability to really create contact and manipulate defenders and get them in trouble and get to the line where I think his shot is good enough where he should be a good free throw shooter. Um, I, I think that's a really huge missed opportunity for him, especially going against these younger guys who are more than eager to jump. And it, it feels like he should be able to show off a little more craft getting to the rim. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, you know, definitely an area for improvement. And then, you know, the defense, um, Yeah, you know, I don't know the overtime league, they don't play a lot of defense <laughs> on, on either side. Um, yeah. But I mean, he has shown, you know, from time to time, he's definitely a big like events guy on defense. Like he, he'll go for steals. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll kind of do, you know, get beat and try to trail block um, the guy. Um, so he will do stuff like that. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be, he's definitely never going to be a, you know, versatile defender. He's definitely a one position defender uh, at the next level. I don't think he's ever going to be kind of a real positive defender, but if he can get to just being a neutral defender, I think that's a total win. Um, yeah. you know, you look at a guy like, you know, like Trey Young, who, you know, was terrible his first couple of years defense, um, still not good, but he's not the overall kind of disaster that he was his first couple of years in the league. Uh, and all he really has to do is get to that level if he, if the scoring does kind of fully translate. Um, so I, I think it's a low kind of hurdle to jump over. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I don't really take any stock in, you know, the overtime defense, um, really. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought up the defense because I, I kind of hate it. Um, but like you said, the the overtime, I, I it really seems like they're not coaching or emphasizing defense at all um, besides make a play or make a highlight type stuff, which he does. Well, he's more than happy to do. Uh, he floats off ball all the time and loses his guy. I, I was kind of underwhelmed by his foot speed, which was a little, little disappointing, but maybe that's just an effort coaching type thing. Um do you think that he can hit that bar of just not being atrocious defensively um, against NBA athleticism and size and competition? Or do you think that's more unlikely? Yeah, no, I think he could definitely get there. Um, His defensive tape, um, you know, over in Spain was definitely better. He seemed more paying attention more at least. Sure. Um, But at the end of the day, he's still, you know, probably six, two ish, you know, one eighty five or whatever he is. So he's pretty yeah. skinny. Um, I don't think he's going to ever get like super strong or anything like that. So I could see him kind of struggling from the gate, just being overpowered by, you know, a lot of the other guards, um, you know, getting switched on a bunch. Um, you know, it's definitely not going to be kind of an advantageous area for him. Um, but if he could just get to that respectable level or just a, able to hide him on defense um basically i think i think he'll be fine i think he'll bring enough on the offensive end to to really you know make up for his defense and you know i I think at the end of the day he has you know the equity to be kind of a on-ball creator um you know run not 100 percent of your offense you know not a lot of people do in the nba but a guy that can can definitely you know get in there run pick and rolls um you know create his own shot um you know just being a really versatile kind of scoring combo guard i think at the next level is kind of you know what i envision for him 
So when it comes to the draft, do you think him doing this overtime elite league is going to end up hurting the stock, helping the stock just because it's more publicity or easier to see? Or do you think NBA teams are going to be like, this is like, what, what is this? I, I, I don't know what to do with this. Or do you think they'll be able to kind of dissect and pull out his offensive skills and what they, you know, how, how great they potentially can be? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like coming into the the season, he wasn't really talked about as being a lottery pick um, by many people. I think a lot of people had him as kind of a late first round guy. Um, you know, a lot of people are, sound like they're pretty down on this international class altogether. Yeah. Um, but now I'm seeing him, you know, top 10 on ESPN's, you know, uh, big board seeing him in the lottery, you know, across the board. So it seems like him, you know, getting the publicity at overtime elite has worked um, at least on like the, the online draft community. Um, I don't know about team evaluators, um, but right. I, I, I do know that they have like some, you know, training system down there. I think they have a pretty good like facility and stuff. So I'm sure teams pop in and out all the time and go to practices and stuff. Um you know, I think he was a, a big standout from like that mini combine that they or pro day that they held before the season started. And a lot of the scouts were kind of raving about, you know, him being the best player there. Um, but yeah, I, I really have no idea. I think he has the talent to be a lottery pick. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's just going to be difficult to evaluate him this year in a new kind of system and new format uh, that people just aren't used to scouting. I, I'm absolutely not used to it yet, and it's it's something I need to get over um, because the offensive talent is there. Uh, I'm, I'm still hesitant to really buy in on it, a smaller guard playing in that type of league. Uh, but someone who I am not hesitant to buy in on and likely need to be talked away from is Johnny Davis, who, oh boy, I, I am currently obsessed with. Uh, with <laughs> at the time we did the composite board, he was like 23rd for me um, in, in a very short amount of time. And after reviewing three or four more games of him, uh, I have now moved him into the top 10. Uh, the, the the leap he has wow. taken this year is really incredible. Um, he's 6'5", 195 pound kind of combo guard, currently averaging 20 and a half points, six rebounds, 2.3 assists, shooting 46% from the floor, uh, 40% from three on almost four attempts, true shooting percentage of 56.2, effective field goal percentage of 50.8. I am irrational about this guy right now, (laughs) which I really hate because he's a Wisconsin Badger, so that's tough for me, but... I, I like his defense. Most of his defense. We'll get to the nitpicking in a bit. Um, but I really love his scoring versatility. I'd like him to be a little more eager to kind of shoot from three off the dribble. But Wisconsin's never really played that way. But I, I love his mid-range game. His ability to finish at pretty much any angle at the rim. He's throwing up floaters with both hands. He's posting guys up. I I am infatuated with this kid's game. Uh, Talk, talk me off the ledge. Why Why am I just so wrong or just, I, I need help. <laughs> no, no, I, I think, I think you're good. I mean, top 10, um, you know, I have <laughs> definitely have to watch more film on him for sure. Um, but I, I had him in the, in the late first round um, as well. I, I do like, you know, he's coming out of the gate 
know, strong this year, um, averaging 20 points a game. Uh, I did not see that coming. He was he was pretty good his freshman year, yeah. um, but I don't even know if he, he might have started one game for them. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, didn't even start for them. So, uh, and, and he, he started for the U19 team uh, over the summer, which was a little surprising. And he was okay. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't anything you know special during that tournament. But coming into Wisconsin, I mean, he's made Wisconsin fun to watch, uh, which is not easy. Um, so, I mean, that has got to bump him up at least five spots on any <laughs> big board. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's, it's funny because I watch him and he's like, he's athletic, but he's not like quick twitch athletic. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the one thing I think that's holding him back. Um, he, he can, he can get to the rim. Um, but you know, he had a couple highlight dunks the, their last game uh, against Indiana. Um, you know, he has like the crafty kind of scoop finishes as well. So I, I think he, he's pretty comfortable. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just funny because I always thought he was more kind of twitchier, athletic, um, but he, he's not, and that's okay. Uh, but I think that does limit him a little bit as you know as a shot creator. Um, and I think at the end of the day, he does need to you know, create his own shot to, you know, be the best version of himself. And he does need to be, you know, as you mentioned, be more willing to do that. Um, it seems like he kind of freezes every time he gets the ball. Um, I don't know if it's a processing thing or something, but he catches the ball, you know, pump fakes or something instead of just catching shooting or catching driving. Uh, everything, it, it, not everything, but it takes a, him a little longer than you'd like to see out of kind of your main scorer. Um, but you know, I, I think he's a great talent. I think he's going to be a first round pick. Um, but tell me more about why he should be a top 10 pick. It's just the, so I, I'm writing about him for Friday, the Friday screener and his just kind of scoring versatility. And it's really just, it. he's a legit three level scorer, but he really operates and thrives in that mid range, which I know is no longer sexy or the go-to area and is, you know, deemed inefficient and a bad shot, but it's not a bad shot for everyone. If you're good at it, it's still a good shot. It's it's this old school physical game. And I know you mentioned that he kind of seems hesitant on on stuff and that he's not really forcing the issue. Part of that, I think, is him being just really disciplined with the shot selection and his role. I think some of that is Wisconsin just beating the fun out of every player that goes <laughs> through that program. Um, but in l- last year, I-, I liked him. I was not expecting this type of jump from him. This th- this has been absurd. And the just the way he's taken over and really been their go-to scorer in any situation, w- whenever they need a basket, he gives them one and his ability to the, the at rim finishing, I think is what really impresses me the most. And the, the couple huge dunks that he had on Indiana get all the publicity because it, it is that quick explosion explosion off the ground that we don't really expect from him because like you said, he doesn't really seem that quick twitchy and that he should be able to get up like that, but he does. What impresses me the most is his ability to control his body, finish through contact. He's initiating contact and finishing with both hands on either side of the rim or with floaters. It's just kind of this understanding of 
what the defense is doing, what angle to take to beat them to the rim, and really how to score in the most effective way possible. And the fact that his free throw attempts per game have jumped from one and a half last year to almost six this year, I think is really encouraging for just getting those easy points. Yeah. And and you mentioned the mid range game and it's not a bad shot for everyone. Yeah. And it's not a bad shot for Johnny Davis. I mean, he's in the 88th percentile on mid range jumpers this year. Um, Like, Top notch. I mean, and that part of his game kind of opens up the other, you know, the the thir- the the triple and, you know, getting to the rim. He, he has to be respected in the mid range. Um, you know, defenders, when he, if he beats his guy off the dribble, the defender has to step up um, because of that mid range pull up. And that just opens up more things for their offense. So, yeah, definitely a three level score. Um, the finishing, um, you know, I, I think he's a good finisher. I don't think he's like the best of the best. Um, some, he'll miss some easy ones, but Mm -hmm. I I think that that'll get ironed out, you know, as we move along in the season. Um, I think he, you know, taking it strong, like he did against Indiana. I think that is key because he's, he can do it. Um, so I'd rather him do that and dunk on someone instead of kind of doing a reverse layup. Um, when you're at the rim, just go and dunk it. Like, you know, you don't have to get crafty with it. He's not John Montero. He's not six, two and not that athletic. Um, so doing that more often, I, I think is definitely going to help his game. Uh, but yeah, the free throw shooting, I think, you know, six attempts a game is a great number. Um, huge improvement, uh, definitely not afraid of contact plays like a football player. Um, and yeah, I, I think he, he's, he's going to be, you know, one of the better players in the big 10 this year. Um, you know, not ignoring kind of draft, um, scope. I think just overall, he's going to be, you know, a great college basketball player this year. Um, and I think he's a lock for first round pick, probably uh, closer to the top 20. And I, I, I always hate doing player comparisons because they, they're just flawed in so many ways. But he he reminds me a lot of Donovan Mitchell's sophomore season at Louisville with that just physical scoring, that three levels, that really just kind of popping after his freshman year. And I was always hesitant. I was hesitant to kind of go that route, but then I, you know, I looked up the numbers, compared them. I'll tweet them out to inevitably get roasted and made to look like a fool <laughs> uh, later. And they'll they'll be in my article going off tomorrow as well. But they were pretty similar, and the jump was pretty similar. And it was like, okay, this is interesting. I, you know, I, I don't think Johnny Davis has the pterodactyl like wingspan that Donovan does, but that offensive play style just eerily mirrored itself for me at least but defensively I'm a little pickier with Davis I I like his instincts I think his off-ball defense is really good I think he's excellent at avoiding screens and kind of staying with his guy the effort is great the athleticism I think shows itself a little more on defense than on offense but I, I really hate his footwork uh, he crosses his feet and turns his hips all the time which puts him in really bad positions and you know the the really smart high level ball handlers in the NBA will be able to kind of pick that apart pretty regular regularly yeah and because I think his first step on offense is is pretty good um mm-hmm. but yeah he get he can get beat on the first step on defense a lot more often um yeah and I think that it, you're probably right with with the footwork um, being kind of the main issue there. Um, 
but you know, off ball stuff. Yeah, it's good. Uh, he pays attention. He seems to know where he is. Um, I think Wisconsin, you know, for their credit, they always seem to have a solid defensive team. Everyone knows yeah. where to be, uh, knows how to rotate, knows what to do. Um, so I think that system has kind of helped him in that standpoint. So I don't really have any over concerns for him. Um, I don't know how, you know, if he's going to be like a one through three defender, maybe two, three. I don't think he's good. I don't think you want him out on an island with, uh, you know, no. the, the point guards in the NBA. Uh, but I think he could stick with some of the bigger twos um, and some of the smaller threes uh, because he is only six, five. I don't know how, I don't know his wingspan, but as you mentioned, I don't think it's anything crazy, maybe like a plus, you know, two or something. Yeah. Um, so that will, you know, limit him from, you know, guarding some of the the bigger threes, but I, I think he is going to be solid defensively. Uh, he's strong as hell. Uh, so guys aren't going to be able to just drive through him. Uh, but yeah, he just needs to, you know, work on that footwork, work on um, just sliding his feet better um, at the point of attack and not getting beat kind of, um, you know, on that first step and having to recover. Well, I am all in on Johnny Davis and someone I am rapidly catching up on and starting to really love is, you know, I I, I don't want to say your pet project, but you were the one who kind of brought to light Taryn Armstrong to our group and your article on him was awesome. And the one that's received by far the most traffic on our site. So I'd be remiss not to ask you about him. Just what get on your soapbox, preach to us about Taryn Armstrong. Why, why is he the best thing to come out of Australia? Uh, all right. This is my time to shine. Yeah. So <laughs> I definitely wasn't the first to discover him. I, I think, uh, you know, Sam Bassini retweeted one of his passing clips um, early on. And then, you know, that caught my eye. And then I watched like five games, um, you know, right away. And just, he's just a joy to watch. I mean, he is so much fun. He is by far, I think the best passer in college basketball. Um, I don't even think anyone's close. Um, He can make any pass in the book. Um, You know, I get into this, my article, if you want to go, you know, read it, there's 70 passing clips um, so, you know, get your popcorn ready, uh, <laughs> watch some film, but, um, you know, pick and roll wizard. I mean, he makes every yeah. single read hits the roll man, um, you know, has great touch on lobs. Um, he hits spot up shooters that I don't even think they know that they're open. Um, he's just play, playing a different game than everyone else on the court. It seems like, um, you know, and I don't know if that, I mean, I'm sure a little bit of that is competition level. Um, playing in the WAC conference, uh, you know, they don't play that tough schedule. They did play Texas earlier this year uh, where he did definitely have his worst game, but the box score does not indicate, you know, how, how well he played. Uh, I think they had him listed at seven turnovers, but a couple of them were really bad charge calls. Um, and then a couple of like, teammates dropped passes. Um, yeah. So I, I think, and he had one assist, which he easily could have had you know, eight assists. So I think the box score didn't do him any justice there. Um, so the passing is elite. It's great. It's, it's everything you ever want in a, in a point guard. And he's 6'5", so he's decently sized. The, the issue with him is, is the scoring. Um, he hasn't really been willing to shoot off the dribble. And when he does, it does not go in. Um, he looks hesitant taking it. Uh, so he just doesn't look comfortable yet doing that aspect of the game, which – 
is going to be crucial to him, uh, especially if he's going to be playing in the pick and roll so often. He needs to, um, you know, make sure defenders can't just go under uh, screens all the time. So he has to make them pay with that. And then uh, he he can get to the rim. He has a good handle. Uh, he shows decent burst. He's not super athletic or anything like that, but he can get to the rim. But uh, finishing has been a struggle so far this year. Um, he'll miss kind of easy bunnies. He'll, you know, kind of avoid contact, like we were talking about with John Montero. Um, so those are kind of the the areas where he's definitely going to have to improve. Um, I think the shooting is definitely priority number one for him. Um, catch and shoot seems pretty fine, but off the dribble stuff is, is kind of a mess right now. Um, so that is kind of be the ultimate kind of swing school, skill, because if he does shoot it, I think, you know, there's literally no ceiling for him. Well done. No pun intended. Uh- <laughs> But Darren Arms, yeah, exactly. I, I I think you said it the best. He is an absolute joy to watch. Uh, absolutely, make sure to go check out Alex's article on No Ceilings Substack. Uh, it was really well done and just a, just a really fun read because he, as you'll see, he is a wizard <laughs> with the ball. So Alex, I end every episode with asking what's the best thing you saw this week in the world of basketball can be college, NBA, a single game, a player, a streak performance, whatever. What's the best thing you saw this week? Yeah. So I, I would probably say I, so I just actually, before we started recording, I just finished watching uh, Jordan Hall's game against uh, UPenn uh, last night uh, where he, you know, had 33 points um, was uh, eight of 11 from three, um, you know, for people who don't know, he's uh, you know six eight point guard uh, out of St. Joe's, a sophomore. He tested the waters um, in the draft cycle last year, but ended up coming back. Um, really intriguing player, really good playmaker, um, really inconsistent shooter and scorer. So that was kind of really refreshing to see him kind of dominate that game. And, and they needed every thirty three points uh, that he scored. Uh, he kind of you know whenever they were kind of in a slump, he you know, was hitting, you know, threes off the dribble like crazy that game. So that was actually, you know, really refreshing, really nice to watch. Uh, and hopefully you can kind of be more consistent with that. And just to shamelessly plug, I will be having a piece on him next week. So very timely. And and what what a perfect transition. Please pl- plug away, tell the people where they can find you and and what to keep an eye out for coming from you. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Draft Film School. Uh, post a lot of prospect clips and just random tweets about uh, NBA draft. Um, obviously, you know if you're listening to this podcast, you probably subscribe to uh, No Ceilings and our Substack. So, uh, you know, I'll pop in time to time on there with some some pieces that are going to be heavily film uh, oriented. Uh, a lot of clips in there. So I always, you know, I'm a very visual learner, so I always, you know, make sure put a lot of clips in there. Um, not, I'm not the most eloquent with the, with the pen. Uh, so, you know, less words, more, more video is always, you know, better for me. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you're a Knicks fan, I would, I would make sure to follow uh, the Strickland and Knicks fan TV. Cause I, I do pop in there from time to time and talk about some Knicks uh, specific draft stuff uh, closer to the draft. Perfect. Well, I, Alex, thank you for joining me. I'm very positive that I'll have you back on soon enough. Uh, But once again, I am your host, Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. And please make sure to subscribe to the No Ceilings Substack at noceilings.substack.com. 
where you can find our composite big board, which just went up this week. And I'll also link it in the description. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. The Substack is completely free and gets delivered directly to your inbox. So there is zero excuse to not subscribe. Uh, pl- please also make sure to check us out on YouTube at No Ceilings TV. Uh, Tyler Rucker's prospect series is now live, and he'll have a lot of really in-depth breakdowns on prospects coming all throughout the season. I've also started pu- publishing some specific skill breakdowns for players there as well, so make sure to check those out. By the time you're listening to this, the next installment of my Friday Screener series should be live. Uh, this week, I'm breaking down Johnny Davis's scoring versatility. So if you didn't get enough Johnny Davis love here, please make sure to go check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.